Kia ora mai tātou, and welcome to Te Kuaka, a podcast looking at Aotearoa's place in the world. My name is Erin Matariki Ka, he uriahau o Ngātiawa me Naituhoi, and today we'll be looking at He Pōpua, which has been hitting headlines throughout our country. He Pōpua is the name of a report which considers how our laws and policies here in Aotearoa can reflect and become consistent with the United Nations Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous Peoples, otherwise known as UNDRIP. So to put a bit of context around this for us, UNDRIP is an international declaration which is core to our constitutional protections as Māori people, alongside Te Tiriti o Waitangi and He Whakaputanga o Te Rangatiratana, the Declaration of Independence 1835. So UNDRIP sets out to enshrine the rights that, quote, constitute the minimum standards for the survival, dignity and well-being of the indigenous peoples of the world, unquote. It took almost 25 years of deliberation by UN member states and indigenous peoples to create. In September 2007, at the United Nations, 143 countries voted in favour of adopting UNDRIP. New Zealand, however, was one of four countries that voted against the declaration, alongside Australia, Canada and the United States. Our countries later changed their position with New Zealand signing on to UNDRIP in April 2010. Dr. Peter Sharples, who was Minister of Māori Affairs outside of Cabinet at the time, said, Today's announcement restores our mana and our moral authority to speak in international fora on issues of justice, rights and peace. It took another nine years, though, for the government to do something with the declaration, and in 2019, the government established an independent working group to consider how we can adapt our domestic laws and policies to be consistent with UNDRIP. And that report is He Pūapua. So today we have with us two of the co-authors for He Pūapua, as well as our own Max Harris, to share with us their whakaro on what He Pūapua is, where it's come from, and what He Pūapua isn't, given the recent calls by the centre-right parties about separatist concerns. So without further ado, let me introduce you to our speakers. First up, we have Dr. Claire Charters of Ngāti Whakauwe, Tūwharetoa, Ngāpuhi and Tainui. Claire specialises in Indigenous peoples' rights in international and constitutional law. She is an Associate Professor in the Faculty of Law at the University of Auckland and is Co-Director of the Aotearoa New Zealand Centre for Indigenous Peoples and the Law. Next we have Dr Jacinta Ruru of Ngāti Maniapoto, Raukawa and Ngāti Ranginui. Jacinta's extensive career in research has focused on exploring Indigenous peoples' legal rights to own, manage and govern land and water. Jacinta is Professor of Law at Otago University and is the former co-director of Ngāpai o Te Maramatanga, New Zealand's Māori Centre of Research Excellence. Jacinta is active in various projects including one of her newest called Te Takarangi, which is a listed collection of 150 non-fiction books by Māori authors celebrating the long history of Māori scholarship and providing an overview of some of the most important Māori leaders, thinkers and authors of our time. And finally, Max Harris, our very own co-founder of New Zealand Alternative, who is of Pākehā descent. 
Max is currently completing his PhD in constitutional law at Oxford University. He was previously judge's clerk to the Chief Justice Sean Elias at the Supreme Court, and he is the author of a book called The New Zealand Project. Nā reira. No mai tātou, kia ora mai tātou. Kia ora. <laughs> awesome. So, where are we going to go with this to start off? I just want to acknowledge that we are talking about he pūapua in the context of a much broader and longer battle for tēnaranga tēratanga within Aotearoa, but also in this, in this uh, colonised reality that is our world. Um, and so this is actually a discussion that's centred here in Aotearoa, but if, is related to uh, Indigenous peoples all around um, Papatuanuku. So I wanted to start us off by locating ourselves here in the whakapapa of this report, where has it come from, Māori efforts in the space and Indigenous people internationally. Mm-hmm. And Claire, could you please share some whakaaro about where UNDRIP has come from, the United Na- Nations Declaration, and possibly other efforts to centre tēnoranga tīratanga? Kia ora, yes, um, thanks for that Erin, and thanks for that introduction. Uh, so as you mentioned here, Pua Kapua comes out of the Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples, and that declaration really comes out of, I, I think, really many centuries of Indigenous peoples globally mm-hmm. um, seeking to decolonise and seeking sovereignty. I think more um, immediately, I guess, it comes out of uh, the Indigenous movements of the 70s and um, 80s, whereby I think Indigenous peoples saw international law as a place where self-determination could be recognised in ways um, formally that you couldn't do domestically. So, for example, it's difficult for Māori to argue for sovereignty, self-determination, given the colonial structure under which we live. But this, mm. there was the promise, I think, of international law where you could, I think, get some sort of a, a recognition of that sovereignty and self-determination. So that was the, the kind of promise, I think, of international law, reflecting a dissatisfaction with um, colonisation and the inability of those domestic orders to recognise um, our rights, I guess. So, um, yeah, coming quickly to then forward to the 1980s, um, that movement coalesced around Geneva, around the human rights movement and, and the UN generally. And uh, there were lots of Indigenous peoples involved, many from Aotearoa, New Zealand, some who we know well, like Moana Jackson. Um, Aroha Mead, just to mention many of um, some amazing people uh, who pushed literally kind of uh, pushed open the doors of the UN and demanded um, that Indigenous people's rights be recognised at that level. And that set up a process, I guess, um, of drafting between states and Indigenous peoples, uh, sitting at a table that in the finish ended up uh, realising the the equality between the groups in, in the sense that Indigenous peoples and states had equal voice. And, um, but it took a long time to get agreement on text, mm. as mentioned, 25 years. Um, so the process really started in 1982, and then in 2007, uh, the General Assembly adopted the declaration. Um, there were different stages formally and different institutions that the declaration went through, um, but it did take that long to come up with, with language um, that would recognise or, or um, recognise is not quite the right, right word that will express Indigenous people's rights to self-determination um, and also lands, territories and resources to equality, um, cultural rights, 
Uh, it's quite broad and, and I think the declaration has ended up being um, the most comprehensive um, instrument there is um, expressing Indigenous people's rights mm. um, and its global reach is pretty important but it's got a very long whakapapa mm. um, and you mentioned before how does this um, relate to other movements and I think it's it's really just a, an expression of Indigenous people's global demands, as mentioned before, for recognition of our ongoing sovereignty. Um, yeah, and coming together in that way, but also goes back to all sorts of movements domestically, um, going back to 1840. So be those um, iwi hapu movements to the to the more um, you know the broader the kīntanga movements and and so on. But yeah, so I think it's got a long whakapapa internationally, globally, and also relates back to um, a lot of our demands uh, domestically or, yeah, within Māori-dom. Kapai, kia ora for that. Um, Jacinta, can I just turn to you and see if you have other whakaro to add to this broader context of what Hipuopo is stepping into? So I think uh, the Indigenous Declaration is so important for us here in Aotearoa, New Zealand. I think it it links to our Tetariti or Waitangi and, mm. yeah. um, and those constitutional moments that took place here in Aotearoa in 1835 and 1840 are so important for us to be reflecting on and finding space and time mm. today to, to, to try to live up to what that dream, those dreams that our ancestors had back then. Mm. And I think here poor poor is our opportunity to be able to to speak to that, to speak mm. to and speak to the past and speak to the future, to our generations to come, around how we can make a better Aotearoa mm. New Zealand for us. And I just want to pick up on that too, is that, that connection with Te Tiriti or Waitangi, mm. because we really took the view that that was our, Te Tiriti was our principal document and the declaration was really, um, some not a modern man, manifestation, but but a way to further realizing uh, the compact of Te Tiriti or Waitangi, that it was instrumental in a way in in the New Zealand context to reach that or or address those issues raised by Te Tiriti or Waitangi. So I think that's absolutely right. And I suppose that's why we had here Purpura. Its reach is out to twenty forty, and mm. so we're really thinking about. Um, what change can take place over uh, two decades, over a really short period of time, mm. but to reach us to 2040, where it's 200 years since the signing of Te Tiriti or Waitangi. Mm. And so all of our discussions, I remember, as we came together in those little rooms in mm. Wellington, was really based back in Te Tiriti or Waitangi mm. um, and the signing, those signings and that, that thinking moving forward. We're within the framework of the Declaration. Excellent. And it's wonderful to think of these moments of our tipuna coming together to collectivise and agree on things, but within the broader social movement of actually just finding justice and refinding our voice and finding a way to express that mm. in this Western world that we have. So that's really, thank you for those whakaro. Um, so that's great where you left off just in just the next part we have is really what was it like to come together the background of writing He Pua Pua and um, drafting the content 
and maybe you could lead us off um, clear with mm-hmm. as as the chair for mm-hmm. the group, mm-hmm. um, bringing people together to actually mm. draft something mm. finally. <laughs> I think we, as a ropu that was made up of, um, I guess five people coming from Te Ao Māori for different reasons, all experts in our own way. Um, and then four coming from government who were you know, mid to high level um, officials. Um, I think we were, well at least I was a bit worried that we would come at the, this kaupapa with very different perspectives and some would be more conservative than others and there would be, it would be difficult to reach some form of consensus about what this document should say or what Hiapuapo should say. But I was so pleasantly surprised that I think we were all coming at this kaupapa from the same spot that there needed to be greater recognition of tenoranga tiratanga, greater equality, greater unity for Aotearoa New Zealand. Um, and so coming together on the ideas was actually really easy and we worked really well together I thought. Um, so there was no there was no sort of bad feeling and um, there was a lot of teasing out ideas and, and because we came from that basic sort of starting point where we were all aligned fundamentally then it was just about working out the detail about what what to, re- to get to 2040 what steps you might need to take along the way um, and some of the government officials were really helpful because of their intimate knowledge of how government works about well these these are steps I guess in some ways incremental but in order to mm. get you to your transformative moment mm. that um, and that was that was really interesting and really really helpful but there was a, it was a race it was such a short time mm. but fortunately I think we could get ahead with tr- doing as much as we could because we were fundamentally aligned on the kaupapa. Excellent. Yeah, it was just this most remarkable experience we'll probably never have again, really. It was this putting together nine of us in the room to dream of a future Mm. for Aotearoa Mm. New Zealand, Mm. just to draft down some ideas. Mm. And we knew all along that what we were doing was just meant to be the start Mm. of something that Mm. may or may not make sense to anyone else Mm. really I mean we were not writing government policy we knew that Mm. we knew that we were writing the start of something and we Mm. came together um, in a very positive way because we were all looking for the best in this country and what we could do and what was some of the good things that were already Mm. happening that were already in train Um, We were drawing on all the incredible recommendations that have already been made by Mm. like the Waitangi Tribunal and Mm. submissions that had been made to select committees over the years. And so we had so many voices that we Mm. were trying to, to, that we had in the room with us. And so it was a wonderful experience to be put into that real positive frame of thinking, what we know that there's all these problems, but what can we do to start to move ahead? Mm. And then as we moved towards um, drawing our inspiration from Mataki Mai in terms of that, mm. our spheres of influence, mm-hmm. and then finding that goal point of 2040, and then 
deciding on that staggered progressive process okay there's these really neat things that are taking place right now mm -hmm. like the change to our primary and secondary school curriculum and teaching New Zealand history um, we knew that there was change on the horizon for reforming the State Services Commission mm -hmm. Act mm -hmm. um, so we looked at some really positive things that were taking place and they formed a really important part of our report mm -hmm. to then enable that springboarding forward to okay what are we going to do next what's some ideas mm. for five years time 10 years time 15 years time and and look we can move to a greater a greater sphere of the exercise of rangatiratanga mm. um, if we wish for that as a country excellent Max, I might tag you in here. As an outside observer, could you share some of your impressions of the Hipopo report and how it's come out and where it fits? Um, yeah, well, kia ora. thanks for having me. Um, I've only read the redacted version online and you've got two of the co-authors here, so I speak hesitantly. But um, I guess one point that echoes what yeah, both Claire and Jacinta have said um, is when I read it, and I'd encourage people listening in to, to read it online. Mm. Um, yeah, I was struck by the, the range of steps that are proposed from, and I think I've made this point to you, Claire, mm. where we're talking from, yeah, quite small steps in the public service mm. and educational steps mm. through to um, bigger proposals around institutional development mm. um, and, and moving institutions forward um, that, as you said, just to involve a bit more dreaming. And in some ways, yeah, it, it reads as um, yeah, sort of very logical progression. Um, things that can happen now, and then things that should be more imaginative in the future. Mm -hmm. Like I, I would think, if we're talking about what we want um, our political system to look like in 2040, um, we should be dreaming a bit, and we shouldn't be scared of um, being ambitious in that. It actually makes me think about um, yeah, what Moana Jackson said in conversation to me about um, the way we deal with vision in New Zealand politics. Mm -hmm. I think he, um, and I think he's, he's made this comment a few times that um, that he remembers hearing Peter Dunn on the radio saying, being asked what his vision was and saying, I don't do vision and, and mm. saying how sad that is. Um, mm. And mm. that uh, the other thing I remember Moana Jackson saying is that we talk of politics as the art of the possible, mm. but politics uh, should also be mm. about the art of what uh, is not possible but should be possible. Mm. And to me, that's what comes out in parts of this report in, mm. in thinking about um, where we're moving to in 2040. And as you both said, a, a real continuation of conversations that mm. have been had um, earlier. Um, yeah, I think that was the main thing that struck me. Maybe just a second brief point is um, uh, I haven't read the unredacted report, but one point that stood out for me was the, the reference to focusing on securing tenoranga teratanga, mm. as you said, greater recognition of mm. tenoranga teratanga. And this is not said in the report, but what that made me think of was how I think at times our politicians have been quite selective in, in uh, citing te tiriti or waitangi, mm. and especially I think the right of politics has tended to focus on Article 3 and insisting yes. of uh, insisting that the treaty guarantees equality and mm. I think from my perspective at least it is true that um, we've had less discussion about uh, te as a whole so yes. what I took from the report was 
this is an attempt to realize fertility as a whole yes. now and in 2040 and I think that's a really important uh, step. And equality not just between individuals which is might be more the concept that you see reflected in article 3 but equality between peoples mm-hmm. um, and between peoples coming together with an incoming state and the existing indigenous people, Māori, legal order. Mm-hmm. So that equality, I think, in a, in a collective sense too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As in reading Te Tiriti as a, as a yeah. document as a whole. Cool. Kia ora for those whakaaro. And so with that, with um, when you're speaking to audiences like ours today, uh, what do you encourage them to look for to... Um, within he pua in terms of dreaming and visioning and getting more people to talk about this mm. um, and how they can actually imagine beyond the institutions that we have currently. Mm. Um, what's the message within he pua that people can pick up on and, and take these dialogues out wider? <laughs> well, for me, it's about um, relinquishing that power of kawanatanga if we can start to look for systemic change, if we can have be brave and have those conversations, have those big constitutional conversations for us as a country, um, and but to reflect on that in our day-to-day practice, what power do we hold right now? Mm. Do we need to be holding this power? How can we um, better pr- open up spaces for Māori decision-making resources to Māori. I think all of those discussions are ones that we should be really brave enough to be able to have as a country. If we're really going to give effect to Te Tiriti or Waitangi, let's let's really understand the power of Kawanatanga right now. Let's understand it as a huge sphere that's this giant balloon right now. And there's a tiny little bit of shared power. Um, tiny and I think, for example, under like the Resource Management Act or under the Conservation Estate or so on, there are just little dots of shared power that are very tenuous. And so how can we um, decrease a little bit that kawanatanga sphere, deflate it a little and give some more air to uh, the rangatiratanga sphere and to that joint sphere? And so I'm just really hopeful and interested that everyone listening can think about Mm. the power that we hold, how we seek to change that, and how we as listeners seek to decolonize ourselves and our thinking and our minds, Mm. and how we look to, like I said, look to see and feel the racism that exists around us and the privilege that each and every one of us um, benefits from in that kawanatanga sphere if it's sitting there to serve you Um, and that the experience of Māori here in Aotearoa New Zealand is entirely different Mm. and we need to be able to see and feel and hear those experiences Mm. and finding ways to bring more Māori voices Mm. into our lives is a great thing and so I'll just do a little plug here for Te Takarangi <laughs> um, which is our big call out to read Māori work. There's, um, we've brought together 
you know, over 150 Māori authored books. Uh, we've put out an anti-racist reading list of 10 books that we really encourage people to read. Mm. Um, but, and to understand there's, there's more than 200 years of Māori writing and sharing and so on. And it's really accessible. And I think that's a really great way to start to fill one's life with is um, Māori words, Māori writing. Mm, as we seek to increase this rangatiratanga sphere. Mm. And I think, you know, it goes back to, to me, it goes back to that point that we were just discussing before. It was about equality between peoples. To mm. me, it's about these ideas of how do you achieve equality between peoples, which was reflected in Te Te Reti or Waitangi. Mm. Um, and also equality as individuals and you, achieve, you want to achieve as a state that is unified mm. and so I think I guess that helps you identify what the problem that you're trying to address and that mm. is that um, through colonization um, you know the impacts of that we've lost our lands our languages mm. um, our tikanga Māori and so on which means that there's a tremendous amount of inequality between peoples mm. but also at an individual level mm. and that's not going that's you know that lack of equality, that great inequality in many, many ways, both historically and now today reflected in all sorts of indicia, doesn't lend itself to a happy, unified state. It privileges, as, as you mentioned, some rōpū over others, and that's not the vision of Aotearoa that I have, or I think that any of us really have, because I think in Aotearoa generally there is a, there is a commitment to equality but there's a, a sh rather shallow understanding of, of what that might mean, I think. And so I hope that we're trying to uh, deepen our understanding as a nation of what equality might mean, or mean also helping us see the inequality, all of us see the inequality that's there. And then going back to um, Jacinta's point about institutional, what's the in institutional structure that might achieve that? Um, and that is, I think, about, I agree, totally agree about realising more tenoranga teratanga. Um, but I also think when we're thinking about the constitutional transformation needed, we have to hold those values up mm. high and then think about the structure that's going to help us get there. Mm. And I think that draws on some of your work, um, Max, as, as well as sort of the, the thinking of what are the, what are the fundamental values mm. that we want our society ref to reflect. And, mm constitutions are really from most nations how that is expressed mm. sometimes imperfectly I mean we're going to get things wrong along the way and mm. what Hipuapu does is just put some options on the table it doesn't present it as a perfect way to do it but mm. ways that might get closer to ideas of equality between people's individuals which are going to make us more unified at the mm. end mm. we're segregated while there's this great disparity, I think, or well, the impacts of colonisation are still here, and other rōpū. Yeah, and yeah, I really think as you both say that um, this is an opportunity rather than a threat, like the, the, um, the journey towards shared values is a, yeah, exciting opportunity. We're not necessarily going to find shared values in Aotearoa from institutions that have been drawn from Westminster or United mm. Kingdom. Mm. And I think one of the reactions to the report has been to suggest 
that uh, talking about sharing power or talking about giving effect to utility is a threat. Mm. And I think, as you were saying, Jacinta, clinging on less tightly to Tawanatanga can be a way towards opening up conversations about yeah different institutions um, that are more meaningful to people here, as well as to just give effect to tetiriti, as you both said, just to say tetiriti has you know commitments to Kawanatanga, but also to Tinoranga Tiratanga and equality um, mm. of peoples. And you know I think the National Party just um, passed a motion at their conference saying. The Treaty of Waitangi is a foundational document, and if it's a foundational mm. document for New Zealand, that means giving effect to all of those mm. commitments. Mm. Um, and the last thing to say on, I think, this not being a threat is also our law, and to your point, clear about um, how we achieve equality. I think you're totally right that like, it's so important to be clear that our starting point is mm. that we don't have an equal society that is then going to be disrupted mm. by changing institutions. Our starting point is a really mm. unequal society. Mm. And we need to think about how we get to unity mm. and equality. And our law mm. already makes all sorts of adjustments and we have institutions that deal separately with mm. children or with mothers or with people of different mm. ages and people of different yes. ethnic backgrounds. And actually, we, we already acknowledge difference in our law in order to achieve equality mm. in the way that Claire's talking about. And Reminding ourselves of that should mm. add to the sense that this is this is not a threat. It's mm. it's an opportunity mm. to have a fuller conversation. Mm. Awesome, okay. thank you. And that lends really nicely into this part about misconceptions around hipopoa, mm. um, and some of the misunderstandings that have kind of been flared up and yeah. shared in this space. Mm. Now I'll go back to you, Claire. Whether you want to talk about um, clarifying some of those misconceptions mm. that you've been. Mm. Um, one of the ones that, uh, one of the challenges I think that um, that you hear out there too, you hear poor poor is um, about it being anti-democratic, mm. um, and that I think is a is a objection that we have to take seriously um, and consider seriously because I think democracy is is an important mechanism um, to achieve important values, you know, treating everybody equally. But what we don't realise um, in that discussion is that New Zealand has this incredibly, um, I guess, lopsided, I think, understanding of what democracy is. Democracy is not tyranny of the majority. It's not just majority rule, but it's um, also about protecting minority groups. Now, Indigenous peoples are quite separate from minority groups in, in the sense that um, we're here before, there's unique, lots of uniqueness about Indigenous peoples, but also in Aotearoa we are a minority. And we're a minority that's governed by laws that are not our own. And so that's not protecting us as minorities and that we end up living in a system that is not our own and is also tyranny of the majority. Mm. So if you think about it, all those states that we compare ourselves to as being democratic, liberal nations, they have in their structures, they're imperfect for their own reasons, but they have in their structures protections for minorities in the, in the sense that human rights, for example, can overturn uh, legislative or parliamentary or um, action 
right? And we don't have that there here because we've got this very, as I sort of said, lopsided understanding of democracy that can permit the worst kind of tyranny of the majority. Mm. Um, so that's not a, a fear or good understanding of what democracy means. So I think we need to think about a way to have a democracy where we, everybody's empowered to have a say in government, but also not in a way that indigenous peoples or other minorities um, have to suffer at the hands of, of the majority when, um, yeah, when it's not in the interests of the majority to look after them. Yeah. Minorities. So I think that's one that I think is serious. There's other other comments that I, I, I don't think we need to really dwell on too much because I think they're easily answered. So this by stealth kind of idea. Um, there was nothing done by stealth um, <laughs> about this. Um, mm. There was a cabinet paper in, in the open. We, we um, you know, we, we did it openly. Um, it has been released, it should have been released earlier, I think, but there was nothing by stealth. There's nothing by stealth about um, government policy, I don't think, around, for example, Māori health and so on. And the comment that, um, I think it was from Winston Peters, who said he knew nothing about Hiapuapu, but he was at the table when the working group was established. Mm. And so he knew that this mahi was, was coming. Um, so, it, yeah, it didn't come before Cabinet before... Uh, they were no longer elected into being form government, but um, yeah, nothing. There's nothing about stealth. So, but there's there's a number of objections which I don't think we need to dwell upon because they're, they're just sort of reactions um, to the report that don't withstand any scrutiny. But the democracy one, I think we need to think about. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Jacinta, did you have anything that you have been dealing with with misconceptions and misunderstandings of Hepuapua? Oh, well, I'm very aware of the um, the fallout around Hepuapua, which is incredibly unfortunate. And I I hope people do take the chance to read it mm. and to consider it um, before they make their own judgments around it. Um, and to understand and appreciate it, it was as we said at the beginning, it was part of a, it's just part of a, a whole lot of, it was just a bringing together of many different ideas and recommendations that have been out there in the public already. Um, and it was a, a piece of work that was done um, in 10 weeks um, as, as a way to, for the next step as we understood it, for the engagement with Māori and I'm really hopeful that as um, we move through this process that there is a really significant consultation mm. with Māori nations exactly. throughout the country um, and that the government does that really well and that we hear the ideas and aspirations from Māori as to their wish for Aotearoa in 2040 and how we might get there and for all New Zealanders to be mm. part of this whole mm. conversation. Um, yeah. How do we how do we make small and big changes to create mm. a better Aotearoa? Mm. And a um, unified one, isn't it? It's yeah. so far from separatism, in mm. fact, it's mm. the opposite. Mm. And that's what you see 
globally in, in the states when you've got you know jurisdiction for tribal authorities because you need mm. people to be regulated by their own laws to have some sort mm. of equality and then some sort of I mean it's the wrong word but um, connection to I was going to say buy-in but mm. you know connection to this to the state is coming together as various different peoples that's not about race either mm. this mm -hmm. is about um, the first peoples of Aotearoa coming together to have a constitutional arrangement with the state back in, mm. in Te Tiriti or Waitangi and then things have developed how we can work together in that, under that umbrella of our founding constitutional document with all its flaws and and yeah, well the history that it has but it's realising that that's not about race politics mm. that's something what, what we're thinking about here is something quite different as you know Canada's its treaty settlements are all about sharing jurisdiction between the provincial, federal, and tribal mm. governments. That's that's just how you go about, you know, reaching settlements in um, in you know, Canada, in Sami country in the north of uh, Scandinavia. It's about setting out Sami parliaments, which is also a a, mm. a, a topic that's um, been in the press as well as a way to recognise some authority for Sami together with the state. So there's all sorts of arrangements about how they work together and what areas Sami have more authority over and the state has more authority. But it's not about race, it's done everywhere. It's about making sure that everybody is looked after to some extent and everyone can realise their, their, their dreams. Mm. I mean, and what people, if you flip this around, what what people don't seem to realise is this is also premised on the idea that the state has some legitimacy mm -hmm. yeah. in this place and space, which actually is highly questionable mm -hmm. from a, as a matter of law or even politics. And if you go back to 1840 and what, whether there was a, any agreement to state unilateral power, there wasn't. Yeah. But, you know, there's that acceptance and that maturity about... It's no longer you know state out and you don't hear that so much or go home that yeah. used to that was politics I remember hearing when I was a kid right now this yes. we're, we're premised on this basis that we're all in this place together mm. and mm. the state is legitimate to some extent but it needs to give up some some authority to and can't just assume that it's got unilateral authority mm. yeah absolutely and even the idea that Te Tiriti or Waitangi is an international treaty between mm -hmm. the British Crown and Sovereign Hapu Māori mm. and that's kind of just even saying that within our, our space kind of surprises people. Mm. I think there's a, mm. some sort of conception out there that Te Tiriti is just this thing that lives in New Zealand and is only relevant to New Zealand. Yes. It's not. It's yeah. what brings us together mm. and is providing a basis for us to work from and so I really appreciate mm. that point there, the flipping it um, so just to kind of round off our corridor today and just provide some ideas of this next steps like where do you see these discussions are moving to and what's necessary for public to remain informed and, and how this links to other developments in the space with Matiki Mai mm. um, yeah and I might just uh, go to you there <laughs> Max, sure. and um, invite you to have some Fakaro beer. Yeah, um, I'll defer to you two on this, but um, I guess one thought connected to what we were just talking about is um, 
when this slightly tired argument comes out about uh, the proposals being race-based, it does make me think that we've got a way to go in centering Te Tiriti or Waitangi in public mm. discussions, because I think if uh, Te Tiriti or Waitangi was truly uh, honoured and um, recognised as a foundational document across the board, I think people would start with Te Noranga Te Ratanga mm -hmm. and Article 1 and 3 and ask what they require, mm -hmm. rather than jumping to this knee-jerk reaction about certain proposals being race-based. So what mm -hmm. that points to for me is, yeah, the need, especially amongst Pākehā, I think, um, or non-Māori for ongoing conversations about Te Tiriti or Waitangi. And I think Māti Kamai, um, again, offers an, another example of a really exciting uh, challenge to people uh, to, to ask, yeah, what would our institutions look like if they were grounded mm. here um, and uh, meaningful to all of us here? So I think that seems like one way forward for me, mm. is, is that ongoing education and understanding of Te or Waitangi and discussion mm. of how it can be realised practically. Um, where Matik and I offer some really interesting models, but I don't know, mm. what, do you, what do you both think? Oh, I agree entirely with what you're saying. Mm -hmm. um, I, there's a place here for all of us mm -hmm. um, to be contributing in, to, to be part of this whole conversation, and I really look forward to that. I, um, yeah, I'm really hopeful for uh, the generations to come and our future going forward. Kia mm. I guess um, I think it's really important that we th that the process of having the conversation about what mm. where we go to is as important as the outcome, mm -hmm. um, and so I look forward to that process, and I and in some ways really agree with um, the demand, the debate sort of bit that that mm. Judith <laughs> Collins is has put out because I agree that mm. we need to debate all these issues. Mm. Here's some ideas, building mm. on Matiki Mai, mm. building on the declaration, building on, you know, this long Whakapapa since eighteen forty of um, indigenous movements. And we really need to finally really have a sit down as a nation, have a really serious, mm. inclusive mm. conversation. Um, there has been some questions about why in the government process going uh, forward is why Māori, why that discussion should start with Māori first. And I think, well, to some extent, Māori voices haven't been at the fore of these discussions. We've just had these systems imposed on us. Also, it's about the Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples. So I think we do need some space to have a think about what Māori as a collective, and there will be very, very different views, um, but as to the extent possible, what we as a collective think should how to realise our aspirations mm. and then we talk as a nation about how we realise the aspirations of, of all of us knowing this history and also what Māori wants. I actually agree with that that idea of demand the debate but I think that's exactly what's happening <laughs> so that's it's weird to me that it's the demand the debate because that's exactly the next steps that have been agreed by cabinet is to foster <laughs> and, people and will, this yeah. debate and have this engagement and so you know oddly the the catch cry of national party I think is exactly what's proposed we just pick up on the point about like how we have the conversation I, I completely agree and I think um, the one thing I 
wrote a little bit about a couple of years ago was how, especially in Pākehā discussions of racism in New Zealand, there's this sort of collective defensiveness, which mm. often crop, crops up um, in the form of like demanding that we move on from historical injustices mm. or diverting discussion mm. of racism or minimising it or, mm. um, or claiming New Zealand has the best race relations in the world. And I think often this defensiveness comes from a fear of loss of power which connects mm. to some of the things we, mm. we've, we've spoken about. But I think, yeah, moving to a position where we are able, and, and especially I think in, amongst podcast circles where this defensiveness can manifest, I think moving to a situation where there's less defensiveness, yeah, there's more willingness to see this mm. as a positive, exciting opportunity to imagine mm. a better, less broken, less unequal society yeah. is really important. Awesome. So that's us then. Um, going forward, share the news, Fano. Share Te Kuaka with your um, your friends and your allies, and demand the debate. So, Kauda, Kauda, thank you very much for joining us today on our podcast. We really appreciate your time, and um, yeah, excellent to hear uh, some of the whakapapa and the stories of this this crank up this report. So now making no ikea koito. Kia ora. Kia ora.